Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. On Exploring Missions, we're always looking for opportunities to let you know what God is doing in his world. It is his world, and sometimes we forget that. And he loves every person, and his desire is to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And something that's important, he's left that in our hands. And what are we doing with it? Well, today on Exploring Missions, we're going to talk about some with someone that has done something in the past and continues and desires in the future. That's exciting. And Nathan, when you hear about someone that loves the Lord, loves to share the good news, uh, it just it kind of rings in our ears, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You know, it's uh, it's good to find faithful servants. And, you know, it challenges us to be that faithful servant and to, you know, be a witness and uh, be willing to share the gospel, make disciples uh, as we go and wherever we go. Uh, And so it's great to talk to someone who's on that journey. Well, the person we're talking about is Wes White. And Wes is, I guess, president and founder of World Hope Ministries oh, International. Oh, no, I'm just an associate director. You're just associate no. director. Okay, I was trying to pin you with a big title there. I, I do not need nor want that level of responsibility. <laughs> well, Wes, we welcome you to Exploring Missions today, brother. Thank you. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, And you were and have been the pastor at Smithville Baptist Church here in Northeast Mississippi. How long were you there? Twelve years. Twelve years, and I know you led that church in a great way, and I was able to be with you, and it was a joy to be with you and sharing the gospel. But before that, you were in mission ministry there or somewhere else. Tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Certainly, certainly. I I served in Belize uh, with Global Outreach uh, my wife and I served there for about six years and worked at the Votech Center and loved it, raised a couple of our children there. And then the Lord, as clearly as he called me there, called us to come back home and uh, engaged in pastoral ministry in Florida and then went back to Global Outreach and served for another six years in the home office. Yeah, here in the Tupelo area. That's right. And That's right. Uh, so this is kind of home area for you. Yes, uh, two of my three children were born here, so I guess I'd have to call it home. Yeah, that goes. Hey, Nathan, when we talk about uh, pastoring and missions, those two should go together, shouldn't they? Well, yeah, I I absolutely believe that. You know, um, whether uh, someone, you know, has a gifting and uh, the function of pastoring or shepherding a a local body uh, of believers, the church— or someone has um, a call on their life to uh, to go out into new places with the with the gospel of Jesus. Um, yeah, they should be they should be working you know hand in glove, hand in hand, um, one informing the other, one strength, strengthening the other, um, supporting one another. Um, unfortunately, 
sometimes not everybody sees it that way and it doesn't always play out that way. But I think in the Bible, we're given that example and that model. Um, Wes, I, I would like to ask you, how has your mission work um, and experiences in missions uh, helped you be a better pastor? And then vice versa, how is pastoring a local body helped you in, in your mission work? Well, you're exactly correct in that they do go hand in glove because Christ formed this vision and formed his plan through the local church, not in spite of or around the local church. It is the work of the local church to carry forth the gospel to the ends of the earth. And one of the offices that God chose to use was the office of pastor. And in pastoring, you are couched with the responsibility to love, care for, and specifically teach your people all that God has commanded them to obey. Exactly from the front of your your opening, we, we, we sometimes, I think sometimes we forget we, we want to go and we believe we're supposed to go and we are and we want to baptize. We want people to be part of the local church. We absolutely do. But we, we lose sight sometimes of the critical aspect, which is teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. That is discipleship, isn't it? It absolutely is. And he couched that responsibility to pastors. And so <laughs> in regards to that, as I've as I've pastored, I've I've better understood what my role as um, the a trainer and facilitator and one who prepares others is. And at the same time, as I did missions, I saw how critically important it was that pastors carry the vision and prepare their people to embrace the call to reach the entire world. The word you used really rings clear, and that's the vision. And in a local church, whoever's behind the pulpit really has a great responsibility of casting that vision, don't they? Oh, absolutely. It is a, it is a, I would say responsibility high on the list. I mean, his first responsibility is obviously what Acts 6 tells us, which is devote themselves to prayer and to the preparation and preaching of the Word. But beyond that, carrying, casting, communicating that vision is critical. Nathan, when you hear that and and we talk about it, uh, I think a lot of pastors and the churches sometimes they're more interested in their comfort than their calling. Is <laughs> uh, Nathan? The, I, I yeah. don't want you to us to browbeat anyone, but uh, the the sheep that we're to feed sometimes they they want all the food and they don't want to share it with others around the world, do they? <laughs> yeah, I mean we we constantly all of us have to uh, fight against our selfish natures. Um, and that can be, you know, personally, individually, it can be for a, you know, local church that, you know, wants to focus everything inward. And like you said, focus on comfort, uh, over, over the call that we've been given. Um, you know, in, in, uh, the great commission passage in Matthew chapter 28, you know, we know the 18 through 20 of, uh, all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples what we've already talked about. Uh, the two verses previous to that talk about how the disciples came to Jesus on the mountain. And it says, uh, and, and they worshiped, uh, but some doubted is what is kind of what it says. That the word doubted means hesitate. Um, so some were hesitant to even to worship Jesus. And this is even post-resurrection. Uh, some of the disciples were, even at that moment of giving of the Great Commission, 
were a little bit holding back uh, of their worship of Jesus. And we don't necessarily have a missions problem. We have a worship problem. Okay. Do we believe that Jesus is worth it? Do we really, you know, hold true who he is? And, and then if we do, if we're willing to lay it all on the line for Jesus, then it's fairly easy to go out and, and to be sent out. Amen. Good point. Uh, let's get to the World Hope Ministries International. And you have a website, whmt.org. M-I, W-H-M-I. W-H-M-I. I said T, didn't I? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I got it written down there. <laughs> International starts with I, not a T. W-H-M-I.org. Well, That's tell right. us what God has brought you into and uh, what is happening with this ministry. Well, now, WHMI has been around, World Hope Ministry has been around for about 35 years or so. Uh, fantastic ministry. It started like a lot of missions ministries did, and it had a strong uh, teams base, an outreach base where teams from the U.S. would go and would serve and love and care. And so it became a team sending organization early on. And a few years back, about 12 years or so back, uh, a second arm began to develop out of World Hope Ministries International, uh, not distinct from, but yet uh, a critical part, and that was World Hope Bible Institute. They started a Bible Institute to theologically train pastors, and and that has flourished and grown, and God has used that tremendously. Bert, I, I don't know if you're aware but uh, in the majority world, that's Africa, Asia, and Latin America, 95% of the pastors, men who have churches, who have congregations, 95% of them, percent of them have no training at all. And so they're left here to try to teach them to observe all things I've commanded you without being equipped to teach them all things I've commanded you. Yeah. And so World Hope Bible Institute began to try to give theological training for pastors in unreached, uh, underserved areas of the world. And and I want to get too lengthy here, but let me just give you the, the, the nuts and bolts of it, okay? That's what we want. We there, want people to know this. There, are, there were four issues that arise in theological training that are critically important in the, in the majority world, in the, what we would call the third world, okay? The first is accessibility. Um, it, it had been in the past that to do a, a theological train, do theological training, you would ask um, the students to come to a centralized location, and from that centralized location, they would come, they would spend three or four years, they would got to get a Bible Institute degree, and then the goal was that they would leave that area and go back to their home area after three or four years. Sometimes it happened, sometimes it did not. But for certain, one thing was true, to for them to have to come uproot and live within a different place made it not very accessible. The second problem that that faced theological education worldwide was that of affordability. It for a lot of people in the majority world they simply have no funds. They can't buy books. They can't they can't pay for any kind of cost whatsoever. They can't contribute to their instructors um 
um, cost. So they were left with not being able to afford, so they couldn't move into the city because of accessibility. They couldn't afford to take it. And then the third, on the missions agencies themselves, it just simply wasn't sustainable. It was There wasn't a sustainability because what you had was you come into a location, you buy land, you build buildings, you put in electricity, you hire uh, guards, you hire maintenance staff, you hire national staff. And then when it's time for you to go and do this somewhere else, well, the brothers in the majority world can't sustain this. Right. And so it's not sustainable. And all of those things were factors that I saw while I lived on the mission field. I saw that theological education was being hampered because of accessibility, affordability, and sustainability. But when I got involved with World Hope Bible Institutes, I came to realize that a fourth key component that had been missing was taking place, and that is it is reproducible. Bert, I've never seen anything like this. I, I have to tell you, I'm so excited. Nathan, you'll, you're going to love this. In, the sta- in standard theological education, you have to get your degree. You have to finish the course. You have to get it all done. And then we, if you pass enough tests and if you qualify and if you get additional training, then maybe we'll let you go and do it somewhere else. But... The heart and soul behind the World Hope Bible Institute locations is that as you are taught, then you take exactly what we taught and you go out right then, right there. Find another place and go build, go develop another Bible Institute. And so that is what is happening around the world with World Hope Bible Institute locations is that they're going out, they're carrying what they've learned. They don't have everything learned yet. But even though they don't have everything, they are ready to go forth. They're ready to reproduce, and we are seeing incredible results. Amen. Nathan, when I hear that, I get excited about it. And I, I want to interrupt and ask, how do you overcome those first three obstacles, though, with <laughs> We see that fourth one. How, is is the Bible Institute, is it overcoming those and how? Thank you. That's a, that's a great question that I didn't cover there, but that's a great question. As far as accessibility goes, we go to them. We don't ask them to come to us. Uh, and, and we do that in a couple of ways. The the first is that we try to only reach out into areas that don't have Bible institutes. We're not looking to get into competition with established theological uh, centers. We want to go to places where no one is doing it. So we go. Affordability. Ah, oh, you're gonna love this. <laughs> this is this is one of my favorite parts. Affordability is we do not hire instructors. Our instructors are pastors and leaders that have been trained here in the United States. We ask them to come with us, go on mission, and teach. Use the gifts and skills that they have already honed in their own life to go to these locations and teach these brothers. And then it's sustainable because we don't build buildings. We don't hire instructors. Here's how it works. We'll go to a local church. We'll come into that local church. The brothers will come into a local church. They'll, they'll inv- that local church will invite the pastors that are coming from this institute to stay in their homes. And they'll invite them. They'll use their gifts of hospitality. And for three to five days, they'll go through intensive training. Now, what makes this sustainable is it's in a module form. 
we'll do we'll teach one or two courses in module form and then we'll come back in three months and teach one or two more courses until we've covered all 16 theological courses that we train and so it's sustainable because there aren't any buildings the church is being the center for the theological training and it is be and its pastors are being trained uh, I, I gotta tell you in in 30 plus years of missions work I've never seen anything like it and I am honored and thrilled to get to be a part of it amen Nathan does that sound a little bit of familiarity of what you and I when we were on staff together uh, trying to accomplish down in Nicaragua yeah it, it really does you know um, keeping uh, the training leadership training and multiplication of leaders keeping it uh, localized and and as decentralized as possible um, and then you know simplifying things so it can be reproduced is uh, is absolutely crucial and critical um, and as I say that Wes uh, I would like to just ask you in kind of as a uh, kind of a setup question or maybe like a devil's advocate kind of question um, some people here you know you describing this they might think, well, they must be watering things down to keep it simplified. And, and so, can you speak to that? Is it is is the training watered down? Well, I really appreciate you asking that question. It's a it's a great question, and it is a valid question. And the answer is absolutely not. Um, the our curriculum is written from a curriculum board with. Uh, with staff from seminaries from five Southern Baptist seminaries. So we have we have a great staff that has written our curriculum and it is reviewed every two years. So we go through, we review it, we look at it. Uh, it is great theological training. It is, uh, we start with every class has to start with soteriology and hermeneutics. They're, they're going to have to, if they don't understand their salvation, then there's no point in teaching anything else. Right. And so we start with soteriology, and then we we move into hermeneutics, how to understand your Bible, and then we teach uh, we teach Old Testament, New Testament courses. We teach um, ecclesiology. We teach um, um, eschatology, the study of last things. We we uh, uh, systematic theology one and two. It is an in depth training, and because we spread it out in modules, we're able to really drill down. And, and, and if you've worked in Nicaragua, you know, and it's especially true where I am in in East Africa, uh, these brothers are so hungry so desirous that you can't turn them loose. You teach and teach and teach, and then they don't want to go on a break. They don't want to go get any food. They want to ask questions and learn and more. Now, it behooves the teacher to take complex issues and make them clear to where some who are barely moral than oral, more than oral learners are able to handle but that isn't an issue. It simply requires those who are going to be teaching to put forth um, a good bit of effort to study and prepare themselves so that they can communicate effectively. When I hear you say that, I, again, just going back on something that Nathan and I were working on together at a local church and trying to accomplish, that was the whole idea. They were ready, and they would travel miles to be there and share for those three or four days that mm-hmm. we were there. And and we found them so ready. 
And right before we did that, we heard this meeting uh, about missional work, and, and the issue was, yes, the missionaries would go in, people would be one to the Lord and disciple some, but not having that trained pastor minister there to keep on carrying on. And there was a short change there. And this Bible Institute, World Hope Bible Institute, is coming in and filling that. I heard that, and it sounds just exactly what they said. We've got to develop. That was a few years ago when I heard that. But y'all, you guys are in, yours is in Africa. Well, me personally. That's yours, the area we, that you develop we are, in. We have locations throughout the world, and we're growing at an astronomical rate. So God is truly, truly blessing. Bert, something that you touched on is really really critical to understand. I can't speak for anywhere else but in East Africa, according to the Lusane Conference. uh, They have determined that if a church doesn't have a trained pastor, seven out of ten of those churches will fail within the first few years because they're not prepared to stand against the wiles of the enemy. With all of the spiritualism, superstition that gets mixed in with it, along with the, I'm just going to use this term, damnable doctrines that are out there that that have a, have a form of godliness, but there's no power in them. There's no validity to them. Those things are sweeping through. Anything that is heretical is always going to find a root. Yep. And so we need our pastors to be trained. In the United States, there is one trained pastor for every 230 people. But in Africa, there's one trained pastor for every 47,250 people. If that were stewardship, we'd be failing, right? Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to do something about. We're talking to Wes White, Executive Director. No, Associate again? Associate Director. Man, I'm trying to lift you up, man. No, no, I don't want to be— You don't take that promotion? I don't want to be an executive anything. I am an Associate (laughs) Director uh, over the Bible Institute locations in East Africa. And so you're able to do that because of computers and Internet. You're able to develop that and work with that and not be on side in the six different countries all the time. Well, that's it. And the, and the way this works is is that we develop leaders, uh, and that's really critical. Nathan talked about that a moment ago. We develop leaders inside of each of these countries. I build relationship with them. I mentor them and disciple them. And in turn, they give oversight and they minister to and help us build new locations throughout their country that they serve in. So I work with these brothers, and then they work with the Bible Institute locations. And then every time that I can— you go. I'm going. I'm going to go teach. I'm going to go be with them. I'm going to sit around the fire. I'm going to drink some chai tea. I'm going to enjoy wonderful fellowship with my brothers. But COVID has really messed that up. Yeah. The travel has been non-existent just about it, right? It really has. It's forced us to be inventive and creative, and we're still learning uh, inventive and creative ways to to go ye therefore, even when we can't always put our feet on the ground. Nathan, when we hear that, yes, um, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So uh, I did have a question uh, that just came to my mind. You, you mentioned your your station, your your work is focused in East Africa. Um, 
And there's lots of uh, challenges I know on the ground uh, in those in those countries. Can you maybe name a country or or at least uh, identify one major challenge that our listeners might be praying with you about as uh, the pastors and the church there in East Africa is facing these things? Well, I certainly will. Um, in fact, there's a couple, and one is these these brothers are doing a great job of multiplying and reproducing, and then the the men that I work with are doing a great job. But nothing replaces the hands-on work of of me being able to be there to teach them, to build relationship with them. And nothing replaces the value of our American pastors coming in and teaching, not only for the Africans, but for our churches here in the United States as well. So one thing I would ask you to pray is that travel restrictions would be eased so we can do that better. Uh, secondly, there is some outbreaks in some of our countries that we work in, and, and they're starting to give us a little trouble. I, I was with the with the president of the organization this morning talking <laughs> with him, Stuart, Dr. Stuart Sheehan, who is a fantastic visionary and man of God. And Dr. Sheehan and I were in conversation, and he shared with me of two different countries that are really, really struggling with COVID. Uh, one of them... Two of their cabinet members and their president have died. Mm. So it's a there's some serious issues with COVID outbreaks. I'm I'm trusting the vaccine. I've had my first shot. I'm going to get my second shot, and uh, <laughs> you know I'm going to go go forward with that, trusting that God, you know, is going to take care of that. But now, honestly, brother Bert Nathan. Missions isn't about being safe. It isn't about it isn't about whether you're going to get sick or not get sick. It's about whether you're going to obey the Lord and whether you're going to follow Him. And as far as that's concerned, that's all that really matters to me. Amen. When we hear this and we see the obstacles that you face, that's not new. In the book of Acts, uh, recently, Nathan and I went through the book of Acts, and we were going to do it on one program. We we finished with three programs of the obstacles that were overcome in the book of Acts of sharing the gospel. The power of the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit, men and women who are willing to be used, uh, fear is not the main thing. Safety is not the main thing. It is obedience, isn't it, Wes? It, it absolutely is. It, it is. It is simply saying, what Isaiah said. When I was 14 years old, I was in a Alabama youth camp, and I was knew that I was saved, and but there was some burden on my heart, and so I opened up my Bible and I, I put my finger on a page. Don't ever do this. You could land on Judas hanged himself, but I, uh, I, I put my finger on a page and I looked down and I heard the voice of the Lord say, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for me?" And I said, "Here am I. Send me." And now. Still, all these years later, is my cry. Nathan, it sure is exciting talking to individuals who are visionary and obeying God. And it sounds like Wes White is doing that, doesn't it? It really does. Um, Wes, how can uh, our listeners learn a little bit more, maybe a website that they can get to? Well, they can, they can go to whmi.org. 
and they'll get lots of information. If they want to go to my personal website on Facebook, my, my site on Facebook, I've got my newsletters and information. I'd love to, to talk to them. And uh, if they want to send in their email address, I'd be happy to add them to a mailing list. Wes White, World Hope Ministries International. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother.